0: We look at health as both health and well-being, and well-being goes far beyond your blood pressure and your sugar. Well-being is, are you living the life that you want? Can you provide for your family? Do you have safe and affordable housing? Are your dreams being realized? That is something that I think CareSource can really help with, and that to me is health.
1: That was Dr. Camuel Wright, Chief Medical Officer of CareSource Indiana. CareSource is a nonprofit that provides essential health insurance services such as Medicaid, Marketplace, and Medicare Advantage coverages. What sets CareSource apart from other health insurance providers here in the state of Indiana is that they're creating innovative programming to assist its members in overcoming barriers to health and well-being and addressing what's called the social determinants of health. How is the health of our neighborhoods and communities directly linked to the health of our citizens? Well, we'll hear some really important answers to that as we continue our conversation with Dr. Wright on Episode 22 of the Hopeful Hoosier Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Dix. If you've ever gazed into the eyes of an infant, you likely saw a mixture of curiosity and hope looking back at you. Each healthy Hoosier baby enters our state on a relatively level playing field of unlimited opportunity, but many factors in both the families and neighborhoods a baby grows up in contribute dramatically to the lifelong health and well-being of the adult citizen they will become. Surprisingly, Indiana has one of the highest infant mortality rates in the U.S. Researchers have been looking at alarming statistics like these to try to identify and address the underlying root causes. They're coming to understand that our communities are only as healthy as the health of our individual people. People's health in its broadest sense is determined by social, cultural, environmental, economic, and many more factors. Just like high blood pressure or high cholesterol might indicate an unhealthy body, the alarming vital statistics indicating symptoms of unhealthy neighborhoods include unemployment, homelessness, food insecurity, crime, and a lack of access to healthcare. If we want to ensure a hopeful future for all of us in Indiana, then we need to begin taking more-than-baby steps to improve our social determinants of health. In this episode, I sat down with Dr. Camuel Wright, an OBGYN with an MBA. She's shifted from delivering babies and practicing medicine to stewarding CareSource, a nonprofit health insurer here in Indiana and surrounding states. Dr. Wright and I sat down in the atrium outside of a local Fishers, Indiana medical facility. As we talked about the future of health in Indiana, people wearing masks and seeking medical attention came and went all around us. In talking with Dr. Wright, I learned there's much more to achieving health and wellness in a community than just having insurance to pay our medical bills when we're sick. Dr. Wright began our conversation by sharing the CareSource origin story.
0: CareSource is a managed care organization. We uh, have governmental plans, including Medicaid, Marketplace, and Medicare Advantage. We are currently in six states, and we serve over two million lives. A story that I love to tell about CareSource is that CareSource was initially founded by a social worker who was frustrated by her inability to get services of. Effectively for her clients and as a small project she decided well I'm gonna start my own health plan that was in the 1980s and it has grown to be what it is today so I think that says a lot about the mission that started and the mission that still permeates our organization today
1: a lot of people here in Indiana know Anthem Blue Cross Blue Shield what makes CareSource similar or different from from one of these other providers
0: Absolutely. So CareSource is nonprofit. That's the first difference. What that means for the consumer is that we don't have shareholders that we are responsible to so we can really live our mission without that additional oversight. Like Anthem and our other managed care entity colleagues, we cover health care services and we help to coordinate care and provide benefits to our members. I think what's different about CareSource is that in addition to doing those typical services that you would expect from an insurance company, we really Focus on the individual as a whole. So, we understand that in order for one of our members to be as healthy as possible, we really need to focus on those social issues, which oftentimes can be their priority. So, as you might imagine, it's very difficult to worry about your diabetes or your cholesterol if your primary concern is keeping your lights on or making sure that you can get to work in the morning or making sure that your Children are cared for and so what we really want to understand is what those social factors are that are impacting the lives of our members and we use a variety of internal and external resources to help to meet those needs so that we can get back to focusing on health care which is what our ultimate priority is.
1: Now how does the the cost structure or pricing for the consumer compare to some of these other plans?
0: So, it is the same so again we are a governmental plan so we get money from the government in order to care for members and that those that money would be the same as anthem or Medwise or any of those other companies what's different is that we have several what we call enhanced benefits so several things that we offer that we don't receive reimbursement from the state but we do it as a company because it is the right thing to do so probably the best example of that is our life services program that's a whole department of our company that's dedicated to what we call social determinants of health so those are those social issues that I mentioned earlier food housing employment childcare etc that are really oftentimes barriers for our members so we have a variety of life coaches that will come up alongside our members, help them to develop a roadmap of how to bust through those barriers, and really achieve those goals that they have, particularly their education and employment goals. We also leverage several community resources, several community-based relationships that we have, so we know that there are other people who are doing great work to help meet the social needs of individuals, so we provide the linkage to those companies so that our members can avail them of those opportunities and I think what's most important is that we have a network of over 200 employer partners so these are individuals who have made a commitment to hire our members once we've coached and worked with those members many of these employer partners are what we call second chance employers which means that they are willing to consider hiring individuals who maybe don't have a perfect background And so they're offering to hire these individuals and give them opportunities that may not otherwise be available to them. So those are services that we offer without any reimbursement from the state. We do it because it's part of our mission and we again really want to see our members succeed and thrive.
1: When you start looking at the population as a whole, you rapidly identify different groups that have very different health care needs. CareSource offers many unique programs specifically designed for a particular segment group of its members. One innovative and successful program is the CareSource Reentry Program, which began in 2018. Leaders at CareSource identified many needs unique to its Medicaid members who are returning to community life after serving time incarcerated. As these people try to start to reestablish and build a new life outside of the correctional system, they face significant social concerns and health and behavioral health issues. CareSource has invested in dedicated staff and community partnerships to help provide support, resources, and guidance to these members to get an education, job skills, new jobs, and the health and behavioral health care they need to succeed. Dr. Camille Wright explained how CareSource approaches serving these formerly incarcerated members.
0: It became very clear to us that we needed to, to figure out how to wrap around these individuals and get them everything that they need. Um, we approached the Department of Correction and um, they were willing and eager to work with us. And we have been in a multi-year project with the Department of Correction where we are receiving individuals who are coming out of Correction understanding what they need, linking them to both internal and external services to really help them get back on their feet. I think that this is incredibly unique. No other health plan in Indiana or in the country that I'm aware of is doing this type of work. We begin our engagement while they're still in the correctional facility and then we continue for months to years after they are released and we have some really wonderful success stories of people who have come out, who have gone back to college, who have received jobs and promotions, um, who have had successful relationships, and have really thrived after a significant time in, in incarceration.
1: A hopeful example of such a success story can be found on a video on Caresource.com. It's simply titled, Sam's Story. It features an Indianapolis ex offender named Sam and his journey to become a productive citizen with the help of CareSource's reentry program team.
2: I end up spending seven years on the shoot. It's a secure housing unit, locked up 23 hours a day. You probably get an hour out for rent. I had time to, to do a lot of reflecting, a lot of thinking. When you face a situation, weigh it out. Is this what I want to do? If I do this, this is what's going to happen. These are the consequences. I told myself that if I ever got the chance, I was through with this.
1: Sam served 17 years of a 50-year sentence for drug charges. He was released in May 2020. A phone call from CareSource's community justice liaison, Cord Hale, started Sam's reconnection back into civilian society and life.
2: I was just sitting there and my phone rang. It was Cord saying, "I'm with CareSource, and I heard that you just got out, and you might need some help." Hearing uh, his attitude—that's Cord Hale. Him talking about future plans. Here was someone who's made some decisions that going back was not an option. He's like, "Man, I can help you with food stamps, classes if you want to learn a trade. Do you got insurance?" He said, "Man, I can help you with all that." He said, "If you want me to," I said, "Yeah." Cord. Would tell me, man, uh, when you when you get on the phone, take your time, and you know just express yourself. After I would get through with the call, would be like, there you go, you got it. It's just like riding a bike. You gonna you gonna be all right. To have somebody else telling me that I can do it, it's helping me build my confidence. Without CareSource, I would still be trying to find my wife.
1: Anne DeCiste is a Job Connect life coach at CareSource and also supported Sam's journey. At Job Connect, we work individually with you to find out what you want to do and where you want to go. I could tell just from his voice and his heart that he was really passionate about
2: getting a degree and going back to school. She was like, well, what you want to take up? And I said, I was thinking about computers. Her words were, I think you'll be good at that. That's a good choice. You can feel the sincerity. You you know when it's real.
1: Sam is in school and doing very well, and the place that he's at right now also has the potential for him to move into an IT position as his school progresses.
2: I would have never been able to, to 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 do that without CareSource. I'll break down because I can't believe it. It's really about getting help.
1: Sam's story has a happy beginning so far. He has a 3.9 GPA in college and a full-time job.
2: One of us got to be able to get out and learn our lesson. One of us got to make it. And I'm and I'm gonna be that one.
1: Dr. Wright shared some exciting expansion news for this program.
0: We're looking forward to actually expanding that program to juvenile offenders as well as veterans. So those are special populations within special populations um, that we really want to serve and to help meet their unique needs.
1: One of the things that we're experiencing here in early September 2021. We're, we're still in the throes of COVID and the Delta variant, with others on the way potentially, and and it's it's impacting not just the health of individuals, but it's impacting the health of overall communities and the overall nation, for that matter. CareSource has got an interesting part of their mission that that you are. Equally concerned with not only getting sick people well, but keeping well people well and and help me understand how you feel the importance of um, wellness impacting a well community.
0: Absolutely. So I am a physician and as a physician we are taught how to treat illness at one person at a time. And what I've been able to do coming to CareSource is really practice what we call population health, which means looking at the overall health of a community and figuring out what structures, what programs, what processes need to be put into place to make that whole community healthy. And so instead of treating individuals one at a time, CareSource looks more globally to figure out what are the conditions that are prevalent in this community, what are the factors that may be contributing to those um, situations and how can we treat the root cause. So we are investing in housing We're investing in small businesses. We are investing in food banks and um, food uh, agencies. We are um, looking at environmental companies and how we can partner with them and really figuring out, again, what are those structural issues that are leading to poor health in our communities and ultimately in our members and how we can affect positive change there. And so I think that that um, is something that CareSource does really strongly. We have a variety of financial contributions that we've made recently. Um, We've spent over six million dollars in the housing market, um, not only to make sure that there is safe, affordable housing, but also we're partnering with organizations that help provide affordable mortgages for people for whom home ownership seemed out of reach. we um, have invested $2.5 million in an organization called Elevate Ventures that helps to support small businesses with a focus on businesses that are um, that are headed by uh, individuals of color. We are uh, looking at strategic partnerships with hospital systems to provide mobile health care to individuals, so understanding that transportation may be an issue. understanding that there are disparities that are that are present in rural communities versus urban communities so we're really looking again how do we infuse money how do we build up other people other organizations and again the structure of community and hopefully that will pay dividends in terms of seeing the whole health of the community be elevated
1: when we when we think about a healthy community And from your perspective, give me maybe three or four sort of uh, measures like blood pressure and temperature and those kinds of things in the human body. But in a community, what do you think are the really leading indicators of community health?
0: Mm -hmm. So economic stability would be probably that number one thing. So... um, is there safe and affordable housing is there are there schools dilapidated or are they thriving um, are there places to eat to learn to worship um, so those community um, structures I think are the things that I would put on the top of that list I think next is obviously health care so are there doctors uh, available or mid-level providers is there a hospital is that hospital high quality Does that hospital have the capacity and the resources that are necessary to treat those individuals? Um, And then I think that there's some really good information about the environment. So I've learned some really fascinating things by having conversations with people about simple things like trees. If there are trees in the neighborhood, that's been traced to overall healthier communities. So even looking at the landscape. Mulch Mulch helps to prevent lead exposure in children, which obviously has very serious consequences. So I think we need to look at those, those community uh, structures. We need to look at the health care that's available and then, again, those environmental factors.
1: So what I'm hearing you, I think, say is you're looking... CareSource and and you are looking more holistically in the community as all of these environmental factors and economic factors contribute to not only the mental health, but the physical well-being of each of your members as well.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So we're looking at our individuals as as holistically as possible, but we're also looking with a holistic 360 lens at the community and figuring out, you know, let's not just address the small issues, but let's look at the macro issues and what we need to do there and who's doing good work and how can we support that.
1: Despite CareSource's best efforts, significant challenges, of course, still remain. Dr. Wright shared some of her most significant concerns.
0: So I think one of the biggest issues that's facing healthcare right now is health disparities. So what we know is that there are certain populations, by virtue of race, ethnicity, sexual orientation, religion, disability, etc., that are disproportionately affected by both acute and chronic disease. That has really come to light with COVID we know that there are certain communities that are being infected by COVID at a greater rate dying of COVID at a greater rate and so what we really need to do is we need to number one collect data efficiently so that we understand um, where those disparities lie we need to do analysis to figure out what the root cause of those disparities are Um, we need to address structural racism and implicit Bias because we know that that plays a factor, and we really need to look at how we keep everyone well, not just people um, who have easy access and availability to health care. So, <clears throat> we know that Medicaid, in particular, um, about 50% of minorities have Medicaid, and so it, this is a huge issue for us as a, as a primarily Medicaid company. And so I think that we are doing a lot in that space to understand health disparities, to work with community-based organizations that are advocates for these special populations. And again, working with our providers to make them as culturally competent as possible so that we can ultimately mitigate some of these disparities and get the, the optimal health outcomes that we really want.
1: You're a unique uh... Administrator, because you're not only an OBGYN. That's correct. MD, but you also have your MBA. I do. And it's fascinating to me because how in the world did you choose to go this path instead of uh, individual patient care?
0: So I practiced OB-GYN for about 15 years, had a wonderful career. Um, I was lucky enough to serve in some leadership roles during my um, clinical career. And I realized that a lot of healthcare is driven by policies and policies are oftentimes made by business people and not necessarily by clinical people. And so it became clear to me that if if I could have business training, then I could um, fashion business savvy ideas with a clinical lens. Um, and I was uh, fortunate enough to do a wonderful program here at IU, which taught me all of the business fundamentals, but also helped open up my eyes to population health and disparities and all of the things that I could potentially impact. So when I started um, business school it wasn't my intent to leave clinical medicine but as I matriculated through the program it was clear that there were a lot of other options at my disposal and I found this opportunity at CareSource that really allowed me to do all of the things that I want to do to use all the tools in my toolbox so I'm able to make business decisions and I'm able to help direct strategy with always the the clinical lens Um, Um, And so I feel like I'm able to have a larger impact right now in my current field by again working with the health of the community than I was able to do at the bedside working with uh, one patient at a time.
1: America has sort of a fascination with healthcare uh, and with doctors and we have a lot of doctor TV. Yes, Uh, we do. we, We have a lot of dramas that way. I can't think of a single drama on Netflix or any place else that talks about wellness.
0: Strangely enough that is true. So I think in the United States we are fascinated with illness, we are fascinated with pulling people back from the brink and we have a lot of technology and we have a lot of tools and we have medicine and, and that's where the glamour is. So when you watch a TV show, it's uh, you see people running down the hall and saving a life. And that's all very important and, and have the utmost respect for people who do that. But I think what we really need to do is we need to focus more on what. Wellness. We need to figure out how we prevent people from getting to that break. How we get people in for their preventive health visits, how we get people in for their cancer screenings, how we get cholesterol checked, and hemoglobin A1C checked, and all of these routine things checked, and then how we put our resources into keeping people well, figuring out how we keep people from getting sick so that we don't have to use our fancy things here at the end to try to pull them back from some emergency situation. And as
1: we keep each individual well, then that actually broadens out to keeping the overall community in which they live well.
0: You know, it goes both ways. So, the healthier the community, the healthier the individual. The healthier the individual, the healthier they can contribute to making a healthy community. So, um, there is definitely kind of a a push-pull there. As someone
1: who's kind of seen now both sides of our healthcare equation uh, from both provider and payer, What breaks your heart about the way the system's structured right now?
0: Um, Again, I would say it's those disparities that break my heart. It's the fact that there there are people in this country who don't have the same opportunities and don't have the same outcomes. The infant mortality rate in Indiana is actually worse than Cuba. Which is, you know, just, it blows my mind, um, and, and that's for, for black babies. Um, I think, you know, if you look at Hispanic women, they have higher rate of cervical cancer, higher chance of dying of cervical cancer. If you look at, you know, Asians, they, they have a high, much higher rate of tuberculosis and complications of that. So every single um, minority group has really troubling statistics. I learned last night that um, a black woman who is transgender has a life expectancy of about 35 years. That breaks my heart. And so there are so many communities that need our help and are and and dying that we really need to, number one, understand, raise awareness, and fix.
1: When you look at these daunting problems, where do we begin how do we get started how do we make a difference and and how does one physician MBA like you make a difference
0: I think you start small so again you you educate yourself you understand what the problem is and then you devote time and resources and finances to fixing that problem so I am fortunate enough to work with a a company that is dedicated to that so me going to work every day is having an impact i think for the next physician you figure out how to help your that member that patient who is on your table and and making sure that you're asking about those social issues not just the medical issues you know if you're if you have a diabetic in your office Make sure they have access to fresh food. Make sure they can afford their insulin. I think that's important. And then I think we all have an important role to play with advocacy. So talk to your your congressmen, your elected officials, making sure that they understand what they need to do so that they can promote the right things in the legislature so that we can have laws and policies and procedures that support the wellness of the community.
1: What about the person who is in an under-resourced neighborhood, and they're forced to make those choices of, you know, do I go to the doctor and and pay the copay and that I don't have, or do I keep it for bus fare so I can get to work? And you know, how? What do you say to someone like that that's trying to do that very difficult math? And preventative healthcare seems like a, a wishful thought in their mind.
0: I would tell that person that there's help out there for you. And so there's CareSource, there's lots of community-based organizations, lots of people who are ready to rally around you. Um, Definitely find out what the resources are in your community. Um, The the state has 211, which is a number that you can dial that will direct you to resources. Get help, because there is help out there. Um, Let's work together to try to solve some of those issues that you're dealing with, so then you can focus on your health. We absolutely understand that there are priorities that have to be taken care of. There's that bottom rung of the needs ladder that has just the basics, food water, housing, those. We understand that that needs to be um, addressed first. There are people who are ready to join arms with you and help you. And so I would just say, seek out those resources.
1: What do you think is the biggest challenge right now facing the, the person in, in one of the core groups that you're trying to serve that keeps them from getting access to the care that they need?
0: I think lack of lack of knowledge of what's there so um, we have a health equity collaborative where we have brought together many individuals from many different sectors um, to talk about how to help the community and we met last night and one of the things that was immediately addressed is hey we're all doing really great things no one knows about us no one knows so I think that that probably the biggest challenge is that people don't know what's out there for them and resources are underutilized because there's not enough awareness Um, and so I think that that falls back on those of us who are in the you know social support networks to make sure that we raise awareness for that
1: what message would you share with the business community here in Indiana
0: I would say try as much as possible to give back to your community. So support these community-based agencies that are doing good work. Support environmental agencies, certainly don't do anything to make the situation worse in terms of pollution and that sort of thing. And really, you know, have pride in wherever your business is located and do what you can to raise up that entire community.
1: What about community leaders in the political establishment? What what would you say to them?
0: Educate yourself, so figure out what the pressing issues are in the community that you reach um, Talk to thought leaders talk to um, The business owners talk to clergy figure out where the where the, the hurt is in your community And then come up with laws and strategies to to fix that I think that if you're lucky enough to be a community leader or a legislator then you have you um, you have an influence that the average person doesn't have. Mm-hmm. So figure out how you utilize that influence to really improve the community.
1: So by the power invested in me, by being the podcast producer, I'm, gonna, I'm going to elevate you for three minutes mm-hmm. to be Indiana's unlimited power healthcare czar. Yes. What would be the one thing you would implement first?
0: Um, I think the one thing that I would implement is broader health care throughout the state. So um, there are pockets of the state that don't have access to good health care. I'm thinking particularly rural areas. So the first thing that I would do is make tentacles in all of our communities um, to make sure that at the most basic level, you can go to the doctor without traveling an hour. Um, I think the next thing I would do is make sure that those places were as competent, high quality, culturally competent as possible. Um, But if I had to do one thing, let's just get into those communities first um, and, and provide good care.
1: So let's talk about you as a person. What? What gets you most excited and passionate about getting up and coming in to serve in the role that you're in every day?
0: I think that most doctors will tell you, and I'm certainly no exception, that we went into this role because we want to help people. Um, that is, I think, at the core, we want to help people be healthier. And I found that when I was practicing clinically, um, I believe that I helped a lot of people. But I think that um, there there tends to be a lot of red tape in terms of documentation and regulations and things. Like that, that sometimes make it hard to see what you're really doing and hard to see what the impact is. I think what really thrills me now is that I wake up every morning and I can see the impact of what I can do. Um, we have what we call member moments where we share anonymously stories of members that we've helped. Um, you know, I helped to oversee our reentry team and I'm constantly hearing about stories of returning citizens who are thriving and so I think that there's some immediate gratification and I can see that I really am helping people and I find my job to be not only professionally rewarding but personally rewarding as well so share one of those stories obviously protect the names and
1: don't share anything personal information but give us an example of one of those great stories
0: sure so here's a very very simple story um, that i think just really i think resonated with a lot of us there was a member who um, lost all his teeth over time and because of that, that really affected his self-confidence, that affected his ability to go out, um, gain employment, build relationships, etc. We were able to work with this individual, we were able to link them to dental services, um, he got a full set of dentures, and now has a beautiful smile, um, and you know, I've seen the before smile and I've seen the after smile, and it's not just the aesthetics of this person that has changed. but he now is employed and he now has um, fruitful relationships and he now feels like he can go out and be that person that he's always wanted to be because we were able to do this small thing. We were able to connect with him, figure out what he needed and got him what he needed so now he can live that life that's just a small example of what we do and the stories that we share um and you know i think we think oh dentistry whatever but we changed this person's life and those are the the beautiful things that that i I like to be involved in
1: and not every story is probably a great story you probably hear some heartbreaking ones absolutely. as absolutely well. absolutely where do you find your hope when you hear a lot of those not so happy endings
0: mm-hmm. i find my hope with my colleagues so i think that we all join together we laugh together we cry together we all have that same mission and we let each other know that okay you know, we didn't win today, but we will tomorrow. And let's look at all the victories behind us. So, you know, we have these member moments, they create a story, a storybook of all of the lives that we've changed. So when there is a a not great outcome, we can go back to that storybook and say, but look at all the other good work that we've been able to do, and that we will continue to do here in the future.
1: If someone's listened this long and they're maybe a professional like you and they're wondering how can i make a difference too what challenge would you issue to them to pursue making their positive difference for us here in the state
0: start small so figure out an organization that you can volunteer whether that is actually physically doing something whether it's sitting on a board whether it's making a financial contribution really help the community help itself. That's what I would say.
1: So if you had to sum it all up in maybe one or two sentences, what's the real difference for Indiana that there's a care source here?
0: I think CareSource makes a difference for Indiana by meeting both the social needs as well as the health needs of our community. And I think you cannot divorce the two. And I think that that is the difference that CareSource makes. And I'm hoping that we'll be able to make this for years to come.
1: So as you stare at your inbox on your computer screen on a Friday afternoon, just before Labor Day, and you think, this is going to be OK, what makes you most hopeful that the future is going to actually be better because th- of what you're doing?
0: I think what makes me most hopeful is seeing the investments that we're making, seeing the good work that my colleagues, my, the, our market president, um, all of the care source people are able to do that come across my desk every day. That gives me hope.
1: And that's what makes you a hopeful Hoosier.
0: That's exactly right.
1: Special thanks to my guest, Dr. Camuel Wright. You can learn more about CareSource at caresource.com. If you'd like to find out more about the social determinants of health, you can explore the information at the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention website, cdc.gov. Once you're on the CDC site, simply search for social determinants of health. Our theme music is composed and performed by Indianapolis' own George Middleton. Until next episode, I hope you'll do your part, no matter how small, to create a better and brighter future for us here in the state of Indiana. I'm Andy Dix, your Hopeful Hoosier host. Thank you for listening. The Hopeful Hoosier podcast is a production of AD Growth Advisors Incorporated, an Indianapolis-based executive coaching firm helping businesses and organizations use the science of motivation at work. Visit us on the web at adgrowthadvisors.com. The Hopeful Hoosier Podcast, copyright 2021 by AD Growth Advisors Incorporated. All rights reserved.